Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. All right, so we're going to continue the series on effective habits this week. Who Wait, remembers last week? Before. Yeah. Oh. I wanted to move the joke. From oh, oh, okay. Hold up. All right. All right. Okay, so is everybody ready? No. Not at all. Why did the banana go to the hospital? He wasn't peeling good. Now, before you go any further, okay. Now, the ladies out there, get a man that likes the fruit jokes because, listen, listen. If he doesn't, let that man go. <laughs> All right, we're done with Jack. Jack, it's been really nice knowing you. Yeah, no, no, I, I can't even shake your hand after that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's been good, man. Um, we'll see you on the other side, man. Um, um, I'm sorry, but also I think that was amazing. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you, you know what? That was, those were good. Those were good. Thank you, Jack, for blessing us as we're diving in, changing gears a little bit. Um, so we're going into effective habits. Last week we talked about forgiving. Anyone like get something from that one, receive something, still working through it, still wrestling with it. It's good. It's a good message. If you missed it, please go check it out again on our YouTube. Um, but also this week we have something exciting. We're talking about generosity, um, which was an amazing message for our service. We're super excited for Pastor RJ and his panelists, Tekla and Scott, to come join. So we will welcome up them up at this time. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. You guys coming up with me? Oh, there's Scott. There's Tecla. Hi, guys. How's everyone? Thanks, Jack, for uh, making my jokes look good. <laughs> you can tell jokes anytime. <laughs> I was going to say the jokes don't get any better second service. Oh, come on, Scott. I thought you had a joke. I, I do have a joke. Uh, last week's lesson was on forgiving, and this week's lesson is forgiving. Ooh. Well, you guys are way slower on the uptake than the first service. <laughs> wow. They were right on it. I'm going to so, talk to this group over here. They seem like they're They brighter. seem like they're a little more awake. <laughs> they're a little more awake. So we've been working on essential habits of Christianity, and we've been having these conversations. And um, today we're going to be talking about generosity. And I think we should start by letting our Panelists introduce some stuff. We'll mix it up this time, though, and Tekla, you can go first. Hello, my name is Tekla. Um, I've been coming WCF since 2013, baptized 2014, um, and just been involved in different ministries since starting uh, WLO at one point for a good number of years. Um, and now I'm out greeting or the Welcome Center sometimes, and a few times uh, I'll facilitate in uh, D2LO. So. Hi, I'm Scott. Uh, my wife Shannon and I have been coming here for almost 30 years, and uh, it's been a while, yes, you know Pastor Luke. Um, and uh, all of our kids are involved. Um, Kieran, you'll see up here every other week on the transition team. Uh, Bryn plays guitar and sings in the... Uh, 
in the... She usually uh, stands, she usually right, stands there. right there. But yeah. it's not Tammy. I wanted to point that out this morning because I think people thought Tammy was my daughter. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and then Aiden was playing uh, keys this morning as well. And then uh, Bryn is married to Tim, who plays uh, drums and uh, guitar at, sometimes as well. Oh, and uh, what do I do here? <laughs> I am, uh, I sit on the board of directors here. I am the treasurer for uh, Windsor Christian Fellowship, and I also am a part of the finance committee. Um, Brenda, who you saw read the scripture this morning, and Linda and their team do a fantastic job on the finances, and uh, I'm just trying to help them out as best as I can. Sounds good. So as we go into generosity today, I thought it would be best for us to lay a little bit of a foundation so that we could live a generous life. And the foundation, at least in the context of your um, finances, because um, we know that we need to be generous, not just with our finances, but with also our talent and our, and our time. Um, but we'll start with the tithe. Um, the tithe is actually a word that means 10%. Okay, so people come to me and say, well, I can only give 5%. Well, that's not a tithe. That's, that's a nice offering and a nice gift. But tithe in and of itself means 10%. People say, well, how do you know the Bible says 10%? I'm like, the word tithe means 10%. But really, at the end of the day, we need to know foundationally, if we're talking about generosity, it is an acknowledgement of God's lordship in our lives. It's a sign of our agreement to live under God's authority. And it signifies our reliance on God to provide for all of our needs. And, and that's what the tithe does. And I think I'm going to let Scott distinguish between old and new covenant. Yeah, before I get to tithing, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, about money in general, because people don't like it when you talk about money in church. Um, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus talked more about money than any other subject. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? It's important, but it's because it can affect our heart, Right. Proverbs 23, 4 says, um, guard your heart against everything because Jesus knows that our hearts can be corrupted easily, especially by money. Um, now, what Pastor RJ was talking about, the uh, old covenant versus the new covenant, a lot of Christians will say um, there's very little in the New Testament about tithing. It's an Old Testament thing. It's a commandment in the Old Testament. But remember that even though we're not under the law, we're called to a higher standard. Um, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, you have heard it said, dot, 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 but I say. So he's calling us to this higher standard than, than the, the law itself. So we have to remember that. Uh, oh, you know what I forgot? Sorry, I'm getting all over the place here. Um, that's okay. Miller. You're going to have to get used to it for the next little bit. Um, money is a tool. I'll go back to money for a bit. Is money good or is money bad? It's neutral. It's a, it's a tool, right? It's like, like a hammer. If you hit a nail with a hammer, it's good. If you hit your neighbor with it, it's bad, right? Money is the same thing. It's how we use it. And I've got a great quote from George Mueller. He said, money is really worth no more than as it can be used to accomplish the Lord's work. And I think that that really sums things up and what we're trying to talk about here today. So before I read some scriptures, I want to qualify something at this service that I probably didn't at first and I should have. Because I hear this question from people. Um, you don't have to raise your hands, but I, I meet people in the culture and they're like, I heard that you have to pay membership dues to go to that church. Or I hear that you have to pay to go to that church. 
And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, how many of you had to pay money to get in the door today? Nobody. We don't charge people to come to church. What we do is we challenge people to live according to the scriptures. Okay, so we're talking about generosity today. Tithe is the foundation for healthy finances, okay? And it's a biblical principle, and you're going to see that it applies even for people that don't necessarily acknowledge the creator. When they give away money, God multiplies their seed. Okay. Matthew 23, 23, New Testament. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus makes a statement, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So tithing is actually something that we should do as well. Luke eleven forty two. woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus ties it together. We walk in love, we lock it, mercy, we, we love justice, we love having faith to believe God, but there's still some practical things that we should do. And I think that it's rooted in and the foundation of all of this is in our trust. So do you want to read Luke 6 as you start talking about trust? Okay. Luke 6, 46, 49. So why do you keep calling me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins." And for myself, when I think about this, it's walking in trust. And as my trust and love for the Lord grows, as my conviction is firmly planted in the rock of, that Jesus is my Lord, that God is my Father, Abba Father, I desire to follow his commandments. And when I think of my, my father, who earthly father, passed away 2014, you know, growing up, you have a desire to you know, obey my dad. I was always trying to obey my dad. And if we did wrong, I was the first person to confess what we did, which didn't go well with my siblings. But, and so how much more walking with the Lord do I want to follow his commandments and be obedient? And, and I have the, you know, my dad is gone. I no longer have um, his air. I have his memories, you know, good, bad or arguments or disagreements in the times where we come together but he's gone and that's memory. With Father, with our Father God, we have the Bible. We can always go to it. And when we sometimes question, you know, Lord, are you there? Do you love me? Are you always with me? Um, you know, will you protect me? We have his word to go to and we, ha you know, to give us, to refresh us, to remind us that his love is always there, that he's always with us, that we're never alone, and we don't have to be afraid. And um, so, you know, sometimes walking that out, it can be hard, but then anytime I'm forgetting, I can always go to his word and remind, and that reminds me, trust the Lord. 
There's, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of, of where people have trusted God and he's come through for them. That, that doesn't always mean that it looks the way that we want it to, but he always does come through. And Des and Kim read the scripture this morning, Proverbs 3, and I think specifically of verses 5 and 6 are the probably the, the paramount verses in the Bible on trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Um, so it's important that we trust God and that he's going to take care of us. Um, I, I talked a little bit about George Mueller earlier and I quoted from him um, and he had an excellent example of trust. He was a, um, a German missionary to England and he ran a, an orphanage and one day the, the headmistress came to him and said, we have no more food for the boys. And he said, gather them all in the dining room and we're going to say grace. So despite the fact that there was no food there, there was 300 boys. They put them in the dining room. They all said grace. Knock came at the door. It was a bread truck. They were dropping off some bread. Somebody had sent them bread. They, they had the bread. A few minutes later, a milkman came. His truck had broken down out in front and he said, my milk is going to go bad just have the boys come out and drink it. So that's, that's a, an extra scriptural reference that shows us what happens when we trust in God. There's plenty of other examples in the Bible that show trust. And we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Why don't you go right into Malachi 3? Oh, sure. That was um, Malachi 3. What is that you're looking at? <laughs> this, I made a joke in the first service. I said, I'm going to read from this book. It's called a Bible because most people don't know what a Bible looks like anymore. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to be here all morning, folks, so you better get used to it. <laughs> um, Malachi 3.8. Now, this, this is talking about obedience, and we're going to kind of move into obedience in a minute, but um, Malachi 3.8. Should a person rob God? but you are robbing me. You ask, how have we robbed you? You have robbed me in your offerings and the tenth of your crops. So a curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you can earn so there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord all-powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. I will stop the insects so they won't eat your crops. The grapes won't fall from your vines before they are ready to pick, says the Lord all-powerful. All the nations will call you blessed because you have a pleasant country, says the Lord all-powerful. And Pastor RJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only place in the Bible where God asks us to test him. As far as I can tell. I was just going to ask you, what does that mean? (laughs) It's not in the notes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not in the notes. But yes, that is one area that God says, put me to the test in this. If you put me first in the area of finances and you sow the tithe in faith, he says he'll meet your needs. So in believing in that word, it's about obedience and walking in obedience. And, you know, sometimes have a hard time walking in obedience every day. Um, in referencing John 14, uh, 24, New King James Version, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Um, In the Passion Translation um, leading to Abraham, he he took a tenth of everything. um, This is from Hebrews 7, 1 to 2. Um, Abraham took a tenth of everything and gave to Melchizedek, Melchizedek, 
name means king of righteousness, king of peace, as a city he ruled as king was, sorry, king of peace as a city he ruled as king was called Salem, which is a picture of Christ. And um, Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. And then also in Genesis 28, 22, Jacob, after his dream when God spoke to him and foretold, of his, um, foretold him of his inheritance of the land, which will be given to you and your descendants, Jacob pledged that he would give a tenth to God. So I recognize when reading these verses that tithing is linked to obedience and I have a desire to be in the will of God. And so if I am to be in the will of God, to be in God and under the will, then it's not even a question of should I tithe or shouldn't I tithe. Um, so it's important. So I link it to being obedient, having faith in the Lord of his word and trusting in the Lord. So in doing, trusting, having faith, you know, believing, um, then I'm glorifying God by being obedient. And God is faithful. He keeps his promises. So I'm relying on the Lord to direct me and, you know, the Holy Spirit to counsel me and how to budget and what to give. And tithing is not about myself, but it's about glorifying God. So being obedient, I'm glorifying God. I'm following his commandments. And I have that desire to, to always be in, in his will and to exemplify Jesus who showed kindness and generosity because he was always... You know, wherever he went, he was looking after um, others. He, was, he opened himself to others to meet them where they are at and to guide them, direct them. And he gave so freely of himself. So in hiding, I want to be the desire to give freely. You know, it's not, um, you know, I'm giving and it's with a clenched fist. It's like, Lord, this is yours. And I just thank you for all that you are in my life. When, when my kids were really young, we taught them this principle that my dad taught me and his dad taught him before. And um, we, didn't, we didn't pay our kids an allowance. Um, we didn't want them to feel entitled, so we didn't give them anything. They were paid on commission. And I know that sounds harsh to some people, but my kids got paid a commission. If they didn't do their work, if they didn't do their jobs, they didn't get paid. But we taught them when they were very young, take the first 10%, it goes to God. Second 20% goes to savings, and then the 70% you can do whatever you want with it. Um, now, obviously, as you get older, those ratios change quite a bit, but that first 10% should never change. That should always stay as your, your tithe to God. And, um, you know, we've had, we live comfortably now, but we haven't always. We've, we've gone through tough times uh, financially, and we've always had a roof over our head, and we've always had food on the table. So God's always taken care of us. Which leads us to the part of the conversation about stewardship. So how can we be a good steward with our finances? I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, how can I be a good steward? Um, I know I've been blessed. The Lord has provided a job that I can pay my bills, um, have a home, you know, 
pay, you know, have my needs are met. My, you know, all my wants. I mean, you know, you can always think of something else that I want. So in all of that, it's the question of like, how can I then not tie, you know, because then I'm just like, I'm a selfish person, right? If I don't tie, because I'm just trying to keep everything for myself. And surrendering to the Lord, complete surrender in me that I trust what the word says, that I can trust the Lord for my needs, for my blessings, and I'll re- receive a reward for being obedient. But even receiving a reward for being obedient, it's like, I'm not tithing because I want a reward. I mean, you know, in the word, there's, we get a reward. But it's like obedience just equals my love of the Lord and my desire to follow his commandments and to glorify God. So it's not about what I receive, especially in this world. It's about I'm being obedient, I'm glorifying, and it's a reflection that I'm, you know, glorifying God. So, um, and there's more. Um, so, uh, sorry. So if I'm not giving the 10%, then at one point it'd be like, Lord, hey, if I'm not giving 10%, then am I failing in my walk with you? And I think of Luke eleven forty two. Passion Translation. You Pharisees are hopeless frauds, for you obsess with peripheral issues, like paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your garden. These matters you should do, yet when you unjustly cheat others, you ignore the most important duty of all, is to walk in the love of God. Readjust your values and place first things first. So I just, you know, when I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, Father, you're first for me, first and foremost, and I'm going to obey you and steward what you've given me. I, I think of uh, King Joash, who, um, if you remember, was um, he was the first of uh, godly kings after a line of ungodly kings. He came after Ahab and Jezebel and uh, Athaliah. And um, when he became king, he sent one of his uh, scribes down into the vaults of the temple and they pulled out the, the books of the law. And when he brought the law back up, Joash read it and he was so upset because they had fallen so far away from God that he tore his robes and, and wept. But one of the first things he did was he put a, um, during this time, um, the temple had become completely in disrepair. So what he did was he took a box and he put it outside the gates of the temple and he drilled a hole in it. It's, it's a lot like the box we have back there where Norm's sitting. And people would bring their ties and put it into this box so that they could use it to repair the temple. Uh, Joash was, was young. I think he was like six or seven when he became king. So uh, was he seven? Okay, thanks. Um, so he was, he was pretty, don't ask you. Um, <laughs> He, he, all his all his relatives had been killed by his aunt Athalia because she wanted to stay in power. Anyways, um, he even at that young age he understood the value of repairing the temple and being a good steward of what was being given to them. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an excellent example, I think, of stewardship. Yeah. Now, my question for both of you: tithing, easy, difficult. Grace, what do you think? You know, when 
there's a job and it's like you feel secure in your job and so there's income coming. I think sometimes in our flesh, it's like, oh, it's easy to give to the Lord what is his. When you when there's those moments of uncertainty, am I going to have a job? You know, do I have enough saved? But then in thinking of all of that, that's not trusting in the Lord, right? That's depending on myself. And, you know, and it's one thing that's like, okay, I'm looking at myself, you know, depending on myself. Okay, Lord, I have to, I'm going back to you. And so to walk it out is putting my trust in the, in the Lord, a desire to be a good stu, a steward, steward. <laughs> um, to be a giver more than a receiver, right? So uh, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you see, it will be measured back to you. So, you know, the blessings of the Lord, you could say, is a result of being obedient in my perspective. But the blessings I am to receive is not, a re- is not, but I don't desire, like I don't give because I'm going to get a blessing. I give because I desire to be obedient, to follow the commandments and be in the will of the Lord. And so, and, and to walk that out. So, you know, whether tithing is easy or not, still I'm walking in obedience in tithe. The Bible tells us, do not worry. Do not be anxious for anything. Why, why does it say that? Jay, you were there yesterday. You know the answer to this. Why does, it, why does the Bible say, do not worry? Because we're going to have an opportunity to worry. <laughs> because we're prone to worry. God tells us, don't worry, because we're going to worry. He knows already. He knows our frailties and our human shortcomings. He knows we're going to worry. So he tells us, do not worry. Same, same with trust. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. He says these things because he knows we're going to do them. So is tithing easy? Sometimes, sometimes not. But we're going to struggle with that because we're human. We just have to go about and do it. And there's an excellent example, actually, in 2 Corinthians 8. I'm going to read uh, again real quick. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God gave the churches in Macedonia. They have been tested by great troubles, and they are very poor. But they gave much because of their great joy. I can tell you that they gave as much as they were able, and even more than they could afford. No one told them to do it. But they begged and pleaded with us to let them share in this service for God's people. And they gave in a way we did not expect. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. This is what God wants. So here we see um, an excellent example of tithing not being easy. These people were struggling. They were poor. And they did it anyways because, because they wanted to please God. So to answer your question, tithing can be easy sometimes and sometimes it, it's not. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. Good. And also the blessings that I could receive from being obedient. You know, I always try to keep it in my heart to remember that this world is not my home. So whether it's an immediate reward or the reward that I will get later, right? I seek to keep that truth in me, that to be convicted by it, um, which I believe is part of that spiritual maturity that we're walking through, that we're not looking at the now and here on this in this um, earth. In uh, Philippians 4, 12 to 13, 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it, it, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So I'm going to take a few minutes here and I'm going to talk about offerings and uh, I'm going to break those down and then we'll go back to our conversation. Transitioning to this, I just, I think it's important that we remember um, God asks us to be faithful what he's entrusted us with. And, and the question you have to ask yourself is, what do I have in my hand? What kind of time do I have available to myself? What kind of talents has God gifted me with? And what kind of finances has God blessed me with? And whether you have little or much right now, there's a principle, what you do with the little, you will do with the much. People say, oh, when I get a lot of money, I'll give a lot of money away. But do you give a lot of money away when you have a little? And one of the most humbling things in my life is, you know, I did spend some time on the mission field years ago. And I remember traveling to this little remote island in the middle of the Pacific, South Pacific, like it was in the middle of nowhere. And, and they didn't even barely have electricity on that island. They had a little generator. But, but I remember when I got there, the believers there were so overjoyed um, that we came to share with them and encourage them. Like they killed the chicken and, and served chicken dinner that night for everybody, you know? And, and it wasn't what they had because I probably had more pesos, more money in my pocket than their entire net worth. But they were taking what they had and they were willfully serving the chicken just to be a blessing to the group that came. Just to, just to bless, they were so excited. And, and when we look at offerings in 2 Corinthians 9, if you were to read verses 6 through 12, a, a farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. You plant generously, you get a good crop. Moving from tithes, generosity, offerings are kind of in the area of multiplication of seed. But that's where we say you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And... As a matter of practice, I try not to make anyone feel pressured to give money, especially when we have special offerings or when we do guest speakers. The, the truth is, when you see in the newsletter that there's a guest coming to minister, you should already be praying by Wednesday how much money God wants you to give to that guest speaker who comes on the following Sunday. You are getting the newsletter, right? And you do read it, so you do know that that happens, so you get the information. And And... I try to, as much as possible as a pastor, stay away from the emotional appeal to give. Um, I don't criticize it. I just, I don't like to do it that way. I want you to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, and I want you to give generously. We'll challenge you with what the Word of God says. And then God, who is generous, will provide all that we need. And, uh, you know, in the context of that passage, it even talks about giving to the poor, Okay, so there's guest speakers, First Timothy 5.18. Those who work deserve their pay. There's special projects that we see in the scriptures where David prepared all the materials for Solomon to build the temple. Um, You talked about Joash, where he put up the box so that they could repair the temple. And, you know, we have done some repairs around here over the last few years. Um, We stopped the leaks in the roof, but there's always ongoing maintenance that has to happen in a facility like this. And, and a lot of times 
It's the ties that people sow that allow us to pay our staff and allow us to take care of the facility and maintain it. And from that, we also sow out mission, missionally a portion of the church's income, some to the community, some to world missions, and some to eliminate poverty. So special projects and missions even. In Romans 10, uh, 14 to 16, you could read Philippians 4, 10 to 20. But specifically in Romans 10, 14, how can someone go and preach the good news to someone else if they haven't been sent? And I just summarized two, three verses there. When people are sent, I mean, think about it. We've got a team going to Cuba in a few weeks. We took up a special offering specifically for that mission trip, but everyone that sowed in that offering is now going to partake of all the fruit of the ministry that happens while they're on that field and all the generational fruit that comes forth. So if someone gets saved and they go out and get someone else saved and they go make disciples and they, you know, you partake of that. You get a reward for it because you sowed into that sending of the missions. And then also alms and giving to the poor. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, I give everything I have. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So we have to look at our, our motive when we're giving to the poor because the truth is if you don't have love as a motivation and compassion with Christ, it just feeds your ego. I feel better about myself because I gave to them. And one of the more popular misquoted verses that we see in Matthew 6 when he's talking about don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you'll lose your reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and on the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you do give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees will reward you. We want to make sure that we don't embarrass people that have needs as well, okay? And I mean, the Pharisees would blow a trumpet on the street corner and walk up to the poor people, here's one for you and here's one for you and look how great I am. And, and that's a wrong motive if we're looking for recognition. The truth is, if you see a need, we should meet it, okay? If you see a need, we should meet it. If we know of someone that has a need and it's within your ability to meet their need, meet their need. That's how Christians live. This is the generous life that God has called us all to. So in the context of offerings, we have guest speakers, special projects, missions, alms, and giving to the poor. And I'm going to throw it back to the panel. I think it's a good idea. I think we should give uh, uh, an offering to the guest speakers this morning. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't disagree. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand and give praise to Jesus on behalf of our guest speakers. <laughs> and, uh, you know... When, Best joke of the day, sorry. It's okay. When you were speaking, what just came to me was, um, I was born in Trinidad, and um, my dad ended up bringing me to Canada. But anyways, my birth mom, I'll just... Um, she passed away 2018, and I didn't really know her very well. Um, I was able to go back to um, to the funeral, and I have siblings there and and aunts. And uh, at the funeral, what really touched my heart about everything was um, there was a gentleman who came up, and he was and he um, gave the just a story, just saying when he was he just remembers Miss Joan that when he was young. Um, 
my mom came to his mother to say that she needs to have a dinner, a Thanksgiving feast. And at the time, their family didn't have enough to, to have that dinner. And, uh, and he's like, you know, so Miss Joan helped and provided and made the dinner. And they had a Thanksgiving feast. And he says, you know, after that, he says, our family never went without. You know, the Lord just always came through and provided. And there's just being so thankful. And not really knowing my mom, but just hearing that story about her heart. And just following the prompts, prompting of the Lord just really stays with me. Getting all teary about it. But I just think about, you know, loving the people around you and your community and, and giving. Like sometimes it's not even just monetary. It can be yourself, your talent, or whatever. You know, that impacts people and it, it stays with them and stays with them as they walk out their life and can affect them on how they interact with others too. I think... Um you illustrated an important point there because you're not from Canada originally. And I mean, we've got a great church. We have such a a diverse church with people from all over the world, but we always frame this stuff in the context of the North American mindset. And we're looking at this as, you know, um, richness versus poorness. And and we have to realize that we have much more than 99% of the world. We're very rich here in this country, and many people who've come from other countries can attest to that. And so I think we have to be careful when we're framing this, that we frame it from a world context, not just from a North American perspective. And God said to us to help the poor. He said in um, Proverbs 19, being kind to the poor is like lending to the Lord. He will reward you for what you have done. And also in Timothy Command those who are rich with things of this world not to be proud. Tell them to hope in God, not in their uncertain riches. God richly gives us everything to enjoy. Tell the rich people to do good, to be rich in doing good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. So that illustrates a couple of things. It shows that, that we have to remember that, that North America is not all there is, that there's, there's plenty of other people around the world. But it also talks about giving things other than money. And we've kind of concentrated on money today. But in reality, when you're giving to God, you should be giving your time and your talents. And there's a parable in the, in the Bible about the, the master giving certain amount of talents. And I don't think that it's coincidental that he used the terminology talents, even though in that time it meant money. But for us, it means it has that dual meaning. So I think we have to remember not just to give money, but we have to give our time and our talents as well. So if we've got... Um, something that God has blessed us with. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be, uh, you know, a car. Maybe you can pick people up and bring them to church. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you know how to play the flute. You should be in the, in the worship. Please, flute players, don't come rushing to the stage. Um, but, but I just think it's important to frame this stuff in the proper context. I heard you guys are still looking for another trumpet player. No. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Okay, let's stand together. You know, as we come to the table today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus tells us to partake of this until he comes and we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. 
And, you know, the truth is, God was very generous with humanity. He sent his best. He sent his son to die on your behalf and my behalf for our sin. And without Jesus dying, you would have no remedy or no solution for your sin problem. And you'd be separated from God and you'd be doomed to life apart from him forever. But Jesus came and God generously let his son be murdered by the very humans that he breathed into existence so that his blood could fall to the ground and pay the sin debt that each and every one of us had. So Lord, as we come to the table today with the bread and the broken body of Christ, I thank you that Jesus died to heal us of all sickness and disease. He set our minds at peace and restores our health emotionally and mentally. I thank you that Jesus gave generously to all of humanity. He paid a debt we could have never paid. A price that was too, too much for us to earn in 10,000 lifetimes. Lord, I thank you that as we've talked about generosity today, that you're moving on hearts all over the room and you're stirring the compassion and empathy for those that have less than us. To be obedient and to trust you with our finances, with our talents and with our time. Help us, God, that as we sow in faith that you multiply back to us so many good things. And as we partake of the bread now, we remember your great sacrifice for us on the cross in Jesus' name. we have the cup in our hand. It's the blood of the new covenant. Really the difference maker in Christianity. Without the blood of Christ and the cross, we'd really have a powerless religion, a powerless belief in a savior, a powerless relationship. But because of the blood that Jesus so generously gave, he donated Father, I thank you that we receive forgiveness of sin. As we've released forgiveness towards others, we can receive forgiveness from you. I thank you that you went to the cross and you eliminated lack and poverty and the curse. That we're free from the oppression and torment to the enemy. Today, we thank you for the covenant that you made with us and cut with your own blood. Help us to honor our part of the covenant by being faithful with that which you've entrusted us to. Help us to be good stewards, Lord. And for those that are struggling in their faith, Lord, I thank you that you're going to give them faith. Give them courage to step out, to test you, to see that your word is true in this area. And I thank you, Lord, that as we, your people, are obedient. I think even to worship this morning, Lord, if the people would not have sang, people would not give worship to the king who deserves all worship. Your word says the rocks would immediately cry out. Lord, let us never be disobedient to worship and praise you and lift up your name. Let us never be disobedient to be generous with others, ultimately motivated by your love and compassion that you've placed within us. So as we partake today, thank you for the unity we have in the faith. And thank you for your generosity to us in Jesus' name.
Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'd like to start by just thanking uh, Pastor RJ and uh, Tecla and Scott for sharing with us, being generous with us this morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Something I came across. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not need. He provides everything. We have a generous and loving God. Amen. Whether it's money, wealth, time, talent, love, the knowledge of the gospel. None of us, but you have or I have, is ours. It's what he has given to us to steward in our lives. In his generosity. And we know that we aren't to bury it, but we're to use it to be his light. Love is mentioned uh, about 700 times in the Bible. But generosity and giving is mentioned over 2,000 times. And as Pastor RJ was alluded to, you can give without loving, but you can't love without being generous and giving. Because generosity and giving is love in action. Love gives, and we know that our God gives. And God so loved the world, he, he gave. Uh, this is just a quote from Charles Spurgeon. In all my years of service to my Lord, I have discovered a truth that has never failed, has never been compromised. That truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. There was something that resonated um, with me this service, um, and I, you know, it possibly resonates with all of you as well. As um, the Pastor RJ and Tecla and Scott were speaking, and it just, I guess, kept hearing, um, where are we storing our treasures, you know, um, in heaven or here on earth? And God, you know, He gave His life for our salvation. He gave us his life because he loved us so much. And out of that love, he told us to, and I'm going to read this scripture, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples and draw others to Christ for his glory. So, as we leave here today, we encourage everyone, as we do this together, to give of our time, give of our resources, give of everything that we have, because number one, it's not ours, and where are we storing up our treasures? And I know sometimes it's difficult to give, especially of time, but we are to do life together. And remember, the glory is His. When we step out of this place and we give and we love, it is going to draw people to Him. Amen. Can we end this morning in prayer, please? Father God, we thank you for all that you have given us, all that we have stewardship over, an abundance beyond what we deserve. And today we ask Father God to be generous in all aspects of what we do. And give us the faith and love to freely share what we have and may the world know you through our generosity. Remove any scales from our eyes and coldness from our hearts and may we be our brother's keepers. And until we come again here, may the love and peace and generosity of Jesus Christ be upon us all.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go. Yeah.